What's up, friends? Welcome to Peloton. We always work this hard because we are Peloton, and together we go far. Remember, you are not alone. I'm right there with you. Progress, not perfection. You've done the hardest part. This is Peloton. Hey, y'all, what's up? I am Tunde Oyunane, and welcome to Fitness Flipped, a Peloton Studios original. It's the show about flipping the script on all the things that we think we know about fitness. I am so excited to be here and be hosting the very first podcast from Peloton. I'm Tunde. You may know me because I'm sweating with you every day in your living room. I would love to tell you that I'm sorry about that, but I'm not sorry. <laughs> or you may not know me at all. So here's a few cliff notes on me. I'm obsessed with salsa dancing, my dog Caesar, and Tex-Mex. Shout out to H-Town. I am super curious about people. What makes us who we are? I'm also really curious about what my dog Caesar thinks about me. <laughs> I grew up in Houston, Texas, and I lived in LA for 12 years. Shout out to the West Coast. The best thing about being a fitness instructor is that I get to transform the relationship that people have with their bodies and the way that they think about themselves. I'd say the worst part is when I'm on camera and my eyebrows have melted off of my face. Like, why did I even try? But seriously, running, cycling, yoga, strength training, all of it, it's been a rock for me in this very topsy-turvy, unknown time. I kind of feel like we've all been living in a snow globe and everything around us, our whole world, our whole lives has been shaken up. And now we're slowly falling back into place. But why fall back into the same exact position? It's like we're trying to find a new space. Perhaps a better space. Which friends brings us to this show. On this season of Fitness Flipped, we're asking lots of questions and maybe coming up with new definitions for the things that we think we know about strength, about stress, about competition, about body image, and basically how we build the foundation for healthy and happy lives. We are going to hear from sociologists and psychologists and doctors and athletes, maybe a few celebrities and some of your favorite Peloton instructors. We do not have all of the answers and that, my friends, is okay. In the true spirit of Peloton, we're always going to show up and we're always going to learn something. So much of the Peloton community is about learning together and pushing each other forward in fitness and quite honestly, also in life. Some of you may know us. Some of you may not know us. So in my sales pitchy, not sales pitchy voice, here is the Peloton rundown. Peloton is a global fitness platform transforming the way that we work out. We have millions of members. We train together, we push together, we breathe together. And in the end, my friends, we achieve together. And here's the wild part. We have so much fun doing it. One of the ways that Peloton has personally 
helped me so much is just navigating this incredibly stressful time in the world. So we're going to face it head on. This first episode of the podcast is all about stress, what it is, how it manifests in our lives, and how we deal with it. What I've learned in this time is that having the foundation of community and health and fitness is fully essential. It's so important because we live in these times of uncertainty, but I believe that the beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. I believe that the beautiful thing about not knowing what's next is that anything can then be next. And there's so much light in that. But in order to flip the script and make a change, we have to really understand what we're dealing with. And what we're dealing with is stress. All right, so here's what's happening in today's episode of Fitness Flipped. We're going to sit down and talk to an expert on burnout. And then I'm going to have a chat with one of my favorite comedians, Miss Phoebe Robinson. Phoebe's going to talk about how to turn stress into potential. Okay, so first things first. Let's talk about all the ways that people experience burnout and stress. I know that there's all different types of stress, whether it's related to work or school or caregiving, relationships, M-O-N-E-Y, money. Being alive can be so stressful, stressful, stressful. So I am then curious about how we define it so that we can all be on the exact same page. And of course, I had to call up Anne Helen Peterson. Anne is a culture journalist who has written one of the definitive books about burnout and chronic stress called Can't Even. Gotta say, I love that title. She also has a fabulous newsletter called Culture Study. And she has written a whole lot about Peloton. Girl, I saw what you said about me. (laughs) let's up and work up the definition of stress stress is part of the physical condition you know i think about the fact that animals experience stress like my dog when my dog is in the car it gets stressed and starts shedding (laughs) like there are all sorts of things that are part of the way that we are built as as animals that respond to stress in ways that are meant to keep us safe and The difference with how stress works now is that we accumulate it, we respond to different stressors in our life, but we don't have the capacity or the means or don't give ourselves the capacity or the means to recover from it. Stress is not new. The amount of stress that we endure and the lack of recovery from that stress is, I think, accelerated and amplified in this moment. Medical doctors measure stress through your heart, right? Like, what is your blood pressure and the the way that your heart is responding to uh, different things around you? And I think that a lot of people with that medicalized definition feel that their stress doesn't count, right? That whatever I'm feeling, I'm not in the hospital or I don't have heart failure or I don't have high blood pressure. And so I do not have stress in the way that is considered an actual condition But the thing with burnout and and even just using that word or coming up with whatever word is useful, even if it's not burnout, is it allows us to have a conversation about 
a way that we're feeling. <laughs> and when you don't have language for it, if you don't have a way of describing exactly what is going on in your your body, in your life, uh, in your mind, it makes what you're feeling feel very solitary and feel like a personal problem instead of something that not only you can share with others, but also have a conversation about like, this isn't okay. How can we make things different? Okay, so then what do we do about it? What happens when the stress gets to be too much and reaches the point of full-on burnout? I wanted to know how Anne, the burnout expert, deals with burnout and protects herself from it. Burnout is the devil that's like, the only thing you are equipped to do in this moment is lay on your couch and look at your phone. And sometimes you really need to lay on your couch and look at your phone. And sometimes you need to tell the burnout no and do something that will actually make you feel nourished. Ask what makes you feel excited and rejuvenated. What is the thing that gives you some space and peace in your mind? For some people, that's taking a run. And for me, it's gardening. And there are parts of gardening that are very aesthetic, but most of gardening is like weeding, right? <laughs> but it is still something that feels so restorative to me. But also, for me, the light is always community. And I mean that in like the non-cheesy way. I mean, like, actual communities of care and support. We need each other, right? We cannot survive as islands on our own. And we need each other as, like, small groups of, of care and community that are there to provide those small safety nets. And we need each other as, like, a larger societal group of care and community. I think the first step is reaching out to the people that you do have in your life. Sometimes it looks like continually sending texts, <laughs> even when a person is really busy. Sometimes it looks like reaching out and being like, hey, I know you're really busy right now, but, you know, I, I'm going to the store. Can I get you something? Or I may double my, my dinner. Can I just drop this off on your front porch? Because sometimes I think that friendship and community has become so overdetermined that people are scared of engaging it. That they will be like, oh, no, of course you don't have to make anything for me because they're so tired from their day that they feel like, oh, do I have to, like, pick up my kitchen for this person to come over, blah, blah, blah. Like, all of these silly things, but are still things that we worry about. And so the ways in which you can kind of remove the, the blocks and the friction from those modes of assistance, those are really great. And then the other thing is looking for existing groups However nerdy or weird or maybe not exactly 100% in your wheelhouse or nervous they make you, some of it is just getting that gumption to be like, I'm going to show up at that community cleanup day at the park. And no, you're not going to make a best friend at that thing, but you are going to feel like you're part of something larger. And that's the beginning of that larger feeling. Or... You know, this is something that I really struggled with at my most burnt out is I was always like, I can't make any sort of commitment to a volunteer organization to be there for one hour a week. Like that is too much of a commitment. You can take that hour and make it your own and give it to someone else, right? I really love what Anne says about time. We got to make the most of it. I think that so often we say, I've only got 15 minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes. And as a result of only having 15 minutes, we allow that 15 minutes to waste away. We do nothing with it. But what if we flipped the script and we said, I have 15 minutes. 
And then what if we used those 15 minutes to engage in some community care? Hmm. Oof. I feel that. When I think about my communities of care, Tunde Oginane's community of care, I think about my fellow instructors who are my ride or die teammates and true friends. I love y'all. I think about the communities that have popped up among the Peloton members. It's so beautiful to watch, whether it's Boo Crew or Peloton Moms, Black Girl Magic, Team Tunde, Pelatinos. All I see is love. I see members that are supporting each other in all the many ways. That is the core, the essence of Peloton. That's who we are. All right, so listeners, I want to hear from you. I want to know how you are de-stressing and fighting the burnout. Not only how have you been fighting the burnout, but how have you been building and supporting communities of care? I want to hear it. Let me know. So I am so thrilled <laughs> to introduce this next guest who, in addition to being one of the funniest people on the planet is also a self-admitted workaholic. She's a New York Times best-selling author with a new comedy special on HBO. I've watched her thrive and rise and step into her season so beautifully. But I know that there has been so much stress along the way. You guys, let's welcome Phoebe Robinson. Phoebe! Girl! First and foremost, thank you for being on the podcast today. And how are you, sis? Thanks for having me. I'm, you know, I'm feeling good. I've just been getting to running lately, so I'm doing the Road to 5K program on Peloton. And two days ago was a tread boot camp with core, and I hate core. I always try to avoid doing it. And so last night, my abs were really sore and my boyfriend said something really funny that made me laugh. So I was like, ha, 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 ow, ha, ha, ow, ha, ha, ow, for like 15 seconds. But that's the afterburn that feels so damn good. Right, though? I'm over the core. You know what? I never want to have to do another sit-up again. Like, this is torture. See, I love the afterburn because I'm like, yes, it's working. I'm getting stronger. Yes, it's working. I mean, it doesn't feel good when it's happening. And honestly, yeah. the day afterburn's not so good, but it's like the three days later when you're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> okay, so I want to just get right into it, the real talk. We're talking about stress today. What does stress feel like to you? Mm, it's... I. I keep it in my shoulders because I write. And I think that is also just um, where it sits in my body. But I think being a business owner and having to make a million and one decisions and having to be available to your employees, be emotionally present in your own work, project into the future, worry about overhead, you know, all these sorts of things. I think for me, it's just a juggling act. For the longest time, I was like, oh, yeah, work-life balance, work-life balance. And I'm just now the mindset that I think this notion that, like, things are going to be equal, that's just not how anything works. You know what I mean? Everyone's doing the best they can. 
and you have to prioritize in the best way that you feel will help amplify your life. And that's Mm. it. You've spoken about being true to yourself and how in being true to yourself, it's alleviated some of the stress within that authenticity. How have you learned to change how you show up as yourself as you've gotten older? Well, I think the path that I have chosen to walk is just to be open to learning. Like I try to remain curious. I try to not get caught up and making a mistake or getting something wrong and sort of missing hmm. the point. Cause I think you get so caught up in like, oh fuck, I did this thing wrong or this didn't turn out the way it was. And blah blah blah. And the universe is like, knock, knock, hello, bitch. Hello, bitch. <laughs> you messed up so you could see this. Just yes, turn your head fighting this it. Way. Yes. I'm much more calm now because I'm just always like, things will work out. And I think sometimes people are like, why are you just being like Weird. And I'm just like, no, it will work out the way that it's supposed to. Cause I've gotten enough like rejection or enough, you know, stutter steps to see like, oh, I was being protected from this thing that I thought I wanted, which I didn't really want. So that's the trust part. Yeah. So when you trust that with the universe, you can also trust yourself and go, okay, I know some things. There's a lot of things I don't know. I will be able to figure it out. So just go forward. Hmm. So just go for it. The evolution that comes with age and growth and time and practice. Speaking of practice and time, I saw you on a certain late night show and your legs were popping. And I did hear you give a certain mention to the Peloton. Let's talk about how exercise has played a role in your life. I think because I'm a performer, there's certainly moments where I'm just sort of like, uh, I should lose weight so I can like look good on camera, which is always just sort of a fool's errand because you lose weight for the moment and then you put more back on and then it creates this vicious cycle. So the one silver lining out of COVID is that I now work out just because I want to move. Yes. And to be proud of my body for being able to do things that I never thought it could do. And that has really shifted that my mind. But what was that like at age 36? I learned that it wasn't about like fitting into skinny jeans. It's about like the world is a hellscape. And if I don't do something physically for myself, that is about appreciating my body for where it is that I am going to be. 55 years old, still doing the same thing, trying to lose that extra 10, 12 pounds and then losing it and gaining it back. And so I really had to be like, this needs to be about substance rather than vanity. And I think that was the biggest shift. Right. I think that, you know, one thing that has really come out of pandemic has been the shift of this idea of what wellness strength, what it really means. Like, the idea that moving is a necessity. It's not this vain thing to your point that you're doing to fit into a certain pair of skinny jeans, which skinny jeans are great, rock them. But, and it's so much more than that. Yeah. It's so much more than that. I'm so happy that you you brought that up and mentioned that. Let's shift here. You're a super successful black woman. And that comes with all the magic, sis. And it also comes with all kinds of pressure. 
Can you talk a little bit about that? And even more specifically, also being the only in the room, the only woman, the only black person, the only, only, what kind of pressure have you faced and what does that feel and look like? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot that I could say about it. I do think that like no matter what your career path is, like anytime you sort of level up, there's always a new sort of level of expectations. There's the understanding that you're going to make mistakes and you have no idea what those mistakes are going to be. You can sort of prepare as much as you can, but at the end of the day, you don't know what you don't know. And that's, you know, that's always like kind of a scary place to be because you're like, well, I don't want to look dumb in front of anyone else. I don't want to seem unqualified. I don't want to just like do one small thing that has this sort of like unattended outcome that like no one could have predicted. So I think there's always that level of like, you want to make sure you're prepared as possible, but you have to just accept. And I'm working on this with like my life coach. It's like, you just have to accept that you're going to make mistakes. Like I'm doing a show for free form. And so which one? Uh, My show, which one? (laughs) We can't keep up. I know there's been like a lot of announcements, which is like the best part. And then you have to like go away and write everything. You're like, oh, this is so fucking hard. But I'm adapting <laughs> my second book, Everything's Trash, but it's okay into a TV show for Freeform. And I've never Congratulations. Like, oh, thank you. And I've never we have um a writing staff of 10, including myself and the showrunner. And I've never run a writer's room before. And my my life coach is like, hmm. you're gonna make mistakes. She's like, you're gonna get certain things wrong, but you'll figure it out. So you just have to trust that you will figure it out and learn from those mistakes. And so I think what is The hardest part about it is being the last generation that was pre-social media. I think with social media, it makes people so scared to try anything because we live in a culture where everyone can hide behind their computers and their phones and they could talk shit and like, you know, tear people down. It makes people afraid to try anything. But it's just like, I had a blog for several years. I had maybe like, I don't know, 60 people reading it, 80 people, maybe it's a few hundred by the end. But it was like, I was a, I was learning how to be a legit writer during that time. And I think people get really stressed out because now you don't have that time to build your skill set and develop your toolkit. Like you just have to be like ready to go. And then still, even if you are ready to go from the beginning, there's always going to be someone out there who has something to say. And like back in the day, like if I want to try something, it was like me and like my 10 friends that knew about it. And hmm. now it's just like anyone could just like tag you on social media and be like, I don't like this about you or or this thing about you is annoying or this is blah, blah, blah. And it just creates this culture where you're scared to fail, not realizing that the failure is what's going to get you to the good stuff. Yeah. Best advice that one of my sister friends ever gave me was, what other people think of you is none of your business, right? Mm-hmm. So when did you or have you at this place, this level of your career, have you learned to manage that better? Do you give less fucks now? I I would say, yeah, I'm 37 now. I, I do feel like I give less fucks. At the end of the day, it's sort of like whatever I create, it's mine up until the moment it's out there in the world. And then no longer belongs to me. And I'm moving on to something else. And I think part of that is just, you know, I started comedy loosely in college when I was doing improv. And so improv is like, 
it happens in the moment. And then like, that's just what it is. It's not about holding on to something. It's about working towards this little bit of magic and then it disappears. And what made it special is that it existed for that brief moment. And so I really do have sort of, I don't want to say a detachment to my work, but I think I just have a healthy separation from it. Even when my latest book came out, people would send me reviews. I was like, oh, that's nice that people read it. But I'm just sort of like, I don't I just don't really care about reviews in that way. I'm just always like, I want to create and I want to make myself laugh and make my friends laugh and my boyfriend laugh. And then I feel like I did a good job. And I, I think certainly when you are a performer, you're in front of the camera the way that you are and I am, it's easier to get sucked into the mindset of, I need these people's approval. Otherwise, my work is meaningless or not meaningless, but it lives and dies by the outside approval. And I think the place that I've gotten to is just sort of like the journey and the the joy is in the process. Yeah. Phoebe, I just wrote down something you said. You said I put it out there and then it no longer belongs to me. So I just wrote a book and I'm in this space right now in my life where I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. So I put it out there. Now everyone knows it's coming. So there's no backing out of it. This book yeah. is going to be released in May. <laughs> and I, when I say that the universe has, thank you, when the universe has put you in front of me today with great purpose, great value and great intention, you said, I wrote the book, I put it out there and yeah, I read the reviews, but I'm not going to allow the reviews to dictate my opinion of my own work, my own project. Girl, amen and a hallelujah. Thanks for that. Good word. (laughs) It's hard to get to that place, but you just have to, you know, you never know what's going to pop off or what's not. And so if something doesn't pop off, does it mean it wasn't good? No. If something pops off, does Hmm. it mean it was good? Not necessarily. So you really have to have your own sort of like opinion and value of your work outside of everyone else. And some days, you know, I nail it. And other days I'm sort of like, oh, well, I wish this did better on social media or blah, 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 blah. And you're just like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's what matters is I was able to create. So good. I feel like life comes in seasons. Robin Arzon said that to me once and it's, it's like stuck and melted its way into my system. My question for you is... You're leaning into your season beautifully and in so many ways. What is your advice to someone on how to manage stress so that they can better access their own season? Mm, okay. I know this sounds hippy dippy, that, but I, I mentioned her to have a life coach. I started seeing her over during COVID because I was just like mentally not in a great space and work was becoming my personality. And I just was like, like no one was having fun. And so I think it was like our second or third session together. And she was like, you know, I don't know you that well, but I would like you to enjoy your life more. She's like, I think you're doing all these things, but I don't think you're taking time to have fun and enjoy your life. And I was sort of like, oh, but I thought working a lot and all the time is like enjoyment. And she's like, no, not really. Sometimes, sure, but not always. And so I think it's really hard if you're going through 
the motions of whatever you're doing. If you're a workaholic, you're just like, I'm going to fill my calendar with things to do and then be overwhelmed, exhausted. If you're not ever having an amuse-bouche of enjoyment, of fun, I think when it is your season, you're not going to know what the fuck to do. You're going to be like, what is this? Why are good things happening to me? What? You know what I mean? You won't even be able to see it's here to access it. Yeah. You're just going to feel strange and like not yourself. And so my advice would be to take those small moments, even in those, you know, for like a decade, I was broke and I literally like had no money. Still take those moments where you could find the joy, where you can like hang out with a friend, you could do something for free or what have you, but you have to sort of, the way we train ourselves to work all the time, we have to train ourselves to be able to enjoy and have fun and relax and not be like, oh, but I'm not being productive. It's not about productivity. Yeah, It's about accessing your humanity. And that's the big thing, you know? Oof. It's about accessing your humanity. Ah, so good. I think that's the most beautiful place to end. Phoebe, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you, girl. I cannot thank you enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Congratulations on the book. Yay, thank you so much. I'll send you a (laughs) copy for sure. Fantastic. Ah, enjoy your life more. Yes, Phoebe. Yes! And then find the joy. Find joy. All right, so here it is. Tunde's final thoughts. Yes, I ripped that from Jerry Springer. Yes, I know what you were doing in the 90s. Tunde's final thoughts. Here it is. You know, it's sometimes it's hard to believe that we are still in this space of unknown territory, unknown waters. And to add on that, like, we don't know when things will go back to normal, if there will ever be a normal again, if we even want to go back to normal, normal. I think about how I've learned to really manage and control my stress within this time. And I'd have to say a big component for me has been people, my people around me. I think that when this pandemic first started, I was trying to go at it alone. In many ways, I isolated myself in my little apartment with my dog. In many ways, I allowed myself to feel alone, secluded. And I think about one of my best friends who's got a whole bunch of kids and a husband. Like she was looking at me and my seclusion as like a gift. She was like, Tunday, I would trade you, trade you. You look like you're on vacation. Meanwhile, I'm like, girlfriend, you have a backyard and you have people to talk to and like love on, you know? And, you know, some of that was perspective, but I also, I also found myself now like really leaning on my people. I've placed new value on my friends and on my family. I no longer take our time together for granted. Whether that's a friend hang, a friend text, a friend FaceTime, whatever it is, I really honor that time. What I'm taking from today, from this episode, is how much we need each other. Not only how much we need each other, but our joy, the joy that we need from each other to live 
more purposeful lives. It's like in order to live a more purposeful life, we have to be there and not just be there, but be able to rely on one another. I love the idea that we can find ways to truly nourish ourselves and everyone around us. So we're going to wrap today's episode with our weekly challenge. What is one thing you're going to do this week to nourish yourself and your community, the people around you? Perhaps you'll drop off dinner for a friend who needs a little TLC this week. Maybe you'll turn your phone off for the entire weekend. That one sounds tough, but you can do it. (laughs) Are you going to sit under the sun for five minutes? I don't know. Maybe you'll take a 10-minute yoga flow for the first time. Tell me, because I want to hear about it. Find me at Tune to Tune Day and at One Peloton. Hashtag Fitness Flipped. For even more fun challenges like this and so much more, download the Peloton app to take all of our fun classes. It's a great day, y'all. Go out and be great. Fitness Lift is a production of Peloton Studios. It is produced by Amy S. Choi and Rebecca Lehrer of the Mashup Americans. Our senior producer is Sarah Pellegrini. Our development producer is Alana Levinson. And our production manager is Shelby Sandlin. Fitness Flipped is sound designed by Pedro Rafael Rosado. Original music composed by Jen Kwok and Jody Shelton. Special thanks to Jen Cotter, Janie Herbert, Laura Petro, Amanda Hill, Danielle Mills, Tony Calandra, DJ John Michael, and Alexis Duncan. 